turn to the old section of uh, your Bible. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Some of you know this. That's where uh, God's top ten list is. Command one, no other gods before me. Number two, no worshiping man-made idols. Number three, don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. Number four, take a day of rest once a week. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, don't kill anybody. Number seven, do not commit adultery. Number eight, you shouldn't steal from your neighbor. Number nine, don't lie to or about your neighbor. We're going to focus today on the 10th command. That's found in verse 17, Exodus 20. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. I think we can add safely, don't covet your neighbor's husband. Uh, You shall not covet your neighbor's male or female servant. Uh, Don't covet your neighbor's ox or your neighbor's donkey. We struggle with that, don't we, Bob? Coveting your neighbor's ox or your neighbor's donkey. Today it might be uh, their Jeep. That might be don't covet their motorcycle uh, today. But, But don't be coveting the stuff that belongs to your neighbor. Why shouldn't we covet our neighbor's stuff? You ready? This is deep, okay? Because that stuff is not yours. It belongs to your neighbor. Don't be dreaming and wishing and being envious and jealous of other people's stuff. That's really what the Tenth Command is all about. To covet means to yearn for and crave and wish for and long for or hanker after things that don't belong to you. When we're, track with me, when we're coveting what belongs to somebody else, what I'm really saying is God... I don't like the situation you've placed me in because I think I'm on the short end of the stick. Uh, I I don't think you're coming through like you should be coming through because if you were, I'd have what my neighbor has. And I think it looks better. And I think it looks bigger. and, And I think it looks more expensive. How come you're not coming through like I think you should be coming through for me, God? That's at the root of coveting uh, uh, why is their car newer? That's not fair. Why is their house bigger? What do you say to that? That's not fair. Uh, why is their spouse nicer? What do you say? That's not fair. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. Turn there with me if you would. Jesus deals with the root cause of that's not fair. Uh, and I think it's critical for us to understand that we live today in the most wealthy nation in all of history. Our society, our culture, and I know some of you are thinking, well, how come I don't feel so wealthy? I'm just telling you, by the world standards, even the ones who are struggling the most here today, in the world standards, you're wealthy when you, when you consider yourself to the rest of the world. So we live at a time when our nation is like at its zenith as far as wealth and possessions. And I'm just telling you that the Tenth Commandment, I believe today, is the chief sin of our age. Violating, disobeying 
the tenth commandment of, of God. So, so why is that? Why is that? If we've got more wealth and more possessions and more stuff than any other culture at any time in history, why is this the chief sin of our age? Are you ready? Here's the answer. Because the more you have, the more you what? You, you got it. You know it. So the problem is we got a lot of stuff, but when you get a lot of stuff, that doesn't satisfy. Because once you get more stuff, all you want is more. And when the Lord comes through and gives you uh, a blessing here, you say, well, that was nice, Lord, but I want more. I appreciate the 20-foot boat you gave me, Lord, but now I want what? Anybody? I really want that 25-footer. And then I'm going to want the 30-footer. You're exactly right. And I'm just telling you, that's the way we're wired. That's the way we're, we, we just naturally... I know, Lord, you've blessed me with that used Chevrolet, and I'm grateful, but I really want that brand-new Subaru. And I'm just telling you, all of us struggle with that yearning. I, I want more. Uh, I, I want bigger. I want better. I want newer. I want shinier. That's what we're talking about today. Let's stand together. We're going to read uh, what Jesus has to stay, say to us about our stuff. Luke chapter 12, we'll start with verse 13, read down to verse 21. Ready? Would you read with me? Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man... Who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Let's pray. Lord, we just want you to know what we just read goes exactly opposite of the culture that we live in today. So we're going to need your help for us, Lord, to get this tattooed on our hearts in our minds and our souls, uh, we need your help to replace what this world shouts at us daily with the truth of your word. So we pause right now, and Lord, uh, we don't just need to be hearers of your word, we need to be doers. Lord, I'm convinced what you have to say today in Luke 12 about stuff and possessions and wealth is huge for every one of us here. 
and the truth is, Lord, that uh, uh, if there's sin that we've uh, committed in this past week that we've not dealt with, Lord, that builds walls and barriers between us and you. So, Lord, right now, today, we want to just open ourselves up to you. And we're asking that you might show us where we've sinned and fallen into the, the mud and the manure of sin, thought, word, deed. So would you point that out to us, even right now? Make it clear, make it obvious. And even as you make that very clear, Lord, we're going to do the U-turn and we're going to run to the cross. Lord, we recognize it's the cross of your son Jesus where the walls and the barriers can come down. It's at the cross that you marked all of our accounts paid in full. Everybody here today who has said yes by faith to your son Jesus, who believed and received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you marked our accounts paid in full by the shed blood of the Lamb, your son Jesus. That's amazing. And you invite us even right now to write the check of confession. So, Lord, what you're making clear to us, that sin that uh, you're making obvious that we haven't dealt yet with, Lord, we want to write the check of confession. We want to call it what you call it. We're going to write right there what you call it. It's sin. And we're going to ask that you might wash and cleanse and purify us, Lord. We want the walls to be torn down. We want the barriers removed. And that's only possible as we confess and ask you to cleanse and wash and purify us. And all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said with one voice, uh, nope, stand up. That was awful. You did really well last week. Okay, we'll just give you another run at it, okay? Shut your eyes, okay? And all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said with one loud voice, you did really good, you may be seated, okay? Wake you up a little bit. Nine verses we just read out loud. Uh, Jesus gives us a new perspective on stuff, possessions, money, New perspective on greed and contentment. Verse 13. Bless you. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Um, I just want you to back up to verse 1 if you have your Bible. Because uh, it says that Jesus is teaching a crowd of many thousands. So when you read verse 13, it seems like maybe there's just a few people. But literally, Jesus has been up there preaching a sermon, teaching the thousands. Uh, He's talking about the Pharisees, verse 2, beware, uh, talking about fear, and you're going to be afraid to follow me and do it my way, verses 4 to 7. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm watching over you. I see it all. Uh, Verses 8 to 11 Jesus is up there preaching to the thousands about following him. Testify that I am Lord and and don't be afraid to speak up. 
And then suddenly, right in the middle of Jesus' sermon, look at verse 13, uh, this angry brother, I don't know if he stands, but in my mind, he stands up and he shouts at Jesus, Hey, uh, Jesus, tell this greedy brother of mine to play fair and share. Can you imagine? Uh, We we have uh, this rude, bold brother and he's mad, obviously, and I suspect that the brother that he's upset with is probably in the crowd of thousands as well. And, and now he's going to embarrass his brother, and maybe I can get this rabbi, this teacher, to tell my brother to play fair. So that's the setting. If you go back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 21, Numbers 27... Numbers 36, uh, very clear guidelines about how inheritances should be handled. So the truth is, it was already written down, but clearly he's not satisfied with the outcome, so he's yelling at Jesus. Uh, I suspect maybe the parents have died, uh, and now you got the two brothers. Perhaps the older brother is in charge of dividing the estate, and now you got, I suspect, a younger brother. He's not happy. He doesn't think he got treated right. And now, hey, Jesus, I want you to really get after my brother because he's not treating me fair. Verse 14, Jesus refuses to play along. Jesus replied, man, we might say, hey, guy, hey, buddy, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? I'm not here. My role, my purpose is not to be the judge uh, in your inheritance issue. I'm not going to get involved. That's not why I'm here. That's not what I'm all about here today. But instead, he gives the brother what he really needs. Instead, listen close, he gives us what we really need, and that's God's perspective about how possessions relate to life. He's going to give us, okay, I'm not going to judge between you two brothers, but I am going to give you a gift. And verse 15 is a gift. So look at it with me if you have your Bible. It's a gift of wisdom. It's one of those verses, if you don't have it underlined, I think you should underline it. It's that good. Then he said to them, so he's talking to the brothers, he's talking to the thousands in the crowd, I think he's talking to us, church at Walloon. He's talking to us today. Then Jesus said to them, to us, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of what? Greed. (laughs) There's all different varieties. Greed can take lots of forms, but I want you to be on guard, watch out. All kinds of greed is coming after you. And here's the gift. You ready? Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life, real life, from God's perspective, isn't about who gets the most toys. The one with the most toys doesn't win according to God Almighty. He's saying, no, no, you need to deal with greed. Greed is the desire and the passion for what? 
I've got something. I got, I got that old used Chevy, and it's got like 150,000 miles. What's greed say? I'm not happy. I want something bigger. I want something better. I want something newer. I want more. I want it bigger and better. It's the belief that life consists in the accumulation of wealth and possessions. Give me your eyes. Most Americans believe that lie. And we're Americans, and I'm just telling you, every day we're bombarded. You just need more stuff. You just need to get this. And if you just had this newer, better, shinier thing, then you'd be content. Greed is the desire, I want more for who? What's greed about? I want more for, for me. I want more. I deserve more. God, why aren't you coming through? I think you should come through and give me more. And now Jesus gives the brother a picture of greed in action. It's like, okay, I'm going to paint a little picture here for you, and I'm going to show you what greed looks like. So pay attention. Here's what greed looks like, verse 16. And he told them this parable. Who's he telling the parable to? The brothers, the crowd, to us. He's telling us this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Okay? We know this man is rich. He's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of stuff. He's a farmer. Abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what am I going to (laughs) do? My barn plural. Did you see that? My barns are full. Now, we've got a very wealthy man, and he's got very productive land, and the weatherman, who is the weatherman, by the way? <laughs> it's, it's a Lord our God. He's the one who brings uh, the rain and the sunshine. Uh, so God has blessed him, and in an agricultural-based society, this man would be like at the top of the hill. Everybody would look at this guy and say, wow, that's what I want. I want the big farm. I want all the land. I want productive crops. I want the big barns. This man would be envied. This man would be admired. And it seems that he came to his wealth the old-fashioned way. And what is the old-fashioned way to get wealth? What did he do? He worked hard. He earned it. He, he didn't come by his wealth uh, any, any bad ways, any dishonest ways, any immoral ways, but truly it seems he's worked hard. Uh, but verse 17, here's the dilemma. Look at it. Um, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Barns are overflowing. i got no more room for any more crops. Uh, I don't have any more storage spots. Verse 18 is where greed begins. I would argue up to this point, he's just a very blessed farmer, wouldn't you? So, so now here's where greed starts to horn its way in. Verse 18, then the farmer said, here's my plan. I'm, I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger ones. And there I'm going to store my surplus grain. Um, I got this problem and now I'm going to fix it. And then I'm going to say to myself, got the bigger barns, got all the grain, I've got it stored away. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain. 
You've got lots of money in the bank. That would be money in the bank. Take life easy. Eat. Drink. Be merry. Now here's where greed begins. Uh, verses 18 and 19. In the Greek, eight times he uses I or my or mine. Now let me show you. I have no place to store my crops. I will tear down my barns. I will store my goods. I'll say to myself, I have plenty of good things. I want you to understand right here, this blessed farmer is buying into the lie that success in life is determined by lots of surplus. I need lots. I need lots of stuff in the barn. I need bigger barns. I need, I need more money in the bank is what he's saying. He already possesses more than enough. Current barns. What, what's going on with the current barns? Filled to the max. What is greed shouting at this man? Uh, that's not enough. I know you got barns, plural, filled to the brim, but get more, accumulate more, store more, bank more. And here is the philosophy. Look at it, what it says, verse 19. Um, you've worked hard. You've, you've worked the old-fashioned way. You've earned it. Now take life easy. Eat, drink. And what does it say? Be merry. Just, just relax. You, you've earned it. And, and most of us Americans would say, Amen. Amen. Uh, but Jesus is saying, No, you, farmer, are showing all the signs of greed. Because what is he rich toward? Who is he being rich toward? Rich towards me. It's all about me, and it's mine, and what I want to do, and, and I've earned it, and I deserve This philosophy of greed, self-centered, self-indulgent, it's, I want more. And, and I'm glad I got the big barns, but I want bigger barns, and let's get going on it. Now, verse 20, everything takes kind of this unexpected turn. Uh, here's what it says, but, but God said to him, uh, Farmer... Farmer, I've blessed you. I, I've, I've put my hand of blessing and applause on your life. And now you're acting foolish. Because this very night, your life will be demanded from you. What's, what's Jesus saying? You're going to what? You're going to die. Tonight, you're going to die. You, you got all the barns tore down. You, you got the plans for the new barns. Then... Who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Who's going to inherit? You're not going to get to enjoy the bigger barns. I'm sorry, but all you're thinking about is temporary and short-term stuff, is what Jesus is saying. And, and this man, when he dies, how much is he going to leave behind? What's the answer? When this man dies, and now his life's demanded, and he's only been thinking short-term... Everything. He's going to leave behind everything. He's focused his life on the temporary. And Jesus is saying, you know what? You missed out on the lasting and the eternal. And when you stand before your Creator, God Almighty, uh, the suitcase of grain or the suitcase of gold is not going to gain anyone admittance into the gates of heaven. Did you understand that? It's not the stuff we got that Jesus says, oh, good, you brought me stuff. 
the stuff that I spoke into existence, the entire cosmos. I don't need your stuff, right? The only thing that gains us admittance into the presence of God Almighty is what? A personal relationship with the one who built the bridge to eternity, Jesus Christ. Uh, There is no U-Hauls behind hearses in funerals. Done lots and lots of funerals. Hundreds of funerals. I've never seen anybody with a U-Haul and all their stuff behind the funeral hearse. Why is that? Because when you die, you don't get to take it with you. When you die, that's it. And this guy is only thinking about the short-term temporary stuff. And Jesus is saying, you know what? I want you to think long-term. Here's my perspective. It's an eternal perspective. And start thinking for eternity and not just temporary. And now, verse 21, Jesus turns to the brothers, I think, and he says, okay, uh, you've asked me to divide your inheritance. Um, Here's what you really need to know, verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves. (laughs) You're going to die and you can't take it with you. And isn't that sad? but is not rich towards God. I want you to go back, verse 21, look at it. This is to anyone. This truth applies to all of us. The truth is, we are all born with greedy, old, sinful natures. Here's what I can promise you. In the flesh, all of us, it's different varieties, it looks differently, but we're all greedy. I I want for me. And I want what's best for Jeff, and I want more, and I want better. And and sometimes I might do things that look good, but I'm just telling you, it's still all about looking good and and people praising me, and, and it's just all about me. So, what's the solution for those who believe the lie? What's the lie? Whoever gets the most toys wins, whoever accumulates the most possessions, they're the ones who are going to be content and happy. And Jesus says, no, no, that's really not the solution. That's a lie. Verse 21, here's the solution. You ready? If you're taking notes, here it goes. Be rich towards God. You want contentment? You really want to be satisfied? Be rich towards Jesus and his kingdom. Matthew 6, 33. So, how do we quit believing the lie? How, how do I quit being greedy and, and chasing after more and more and more, and, and how can I be rich towards God? Um, first, uh, if I'm going to be rich towards God, then I need to ruthlessly root greed out of my life, and so do you. If we're going to be rich towards God, it means I need to get serious, and Lord, help me, whatever it takes... I'm going to root the greed out of my life with your help. Uh, who should I pick on? Um, Dan, let's say, uh, you know, it was kind of warm in the house. You had the heat on a little too strong, and uh, you left a window open, got the screen there, and when Dan gets home, a dozen raccoons greet him at the door. 
they've entered the house, scratched through the screen, and now they've made complete mess of the house. I mean, they, somehow they, they rooted, they got into the cupboards, all the cereals all over. I mean, they've just made an awful mess. And I'm sure Dan would say, but they're so cute. They're just so fuzzy and nice. Is that what he's likely to say? I suspect um, uh, Dan is probably going to do whatever it takes to get those raccoons out of his house. I suspect that he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure those raccoons never can come back in. Listen to me. It's just that serious when it comes to greed. They're, They're ugly little raccoons and they're destructive, those little slivers, those seeds of greed in our life. And we better do whatever it takes to ruthlessly root out all the slivers of greed in our lives. Here's what Colossians 3 and verse 5 says. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Okay, so greed comes from our old sinful sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and we're all saying, yeah, get rid of all that stuff. And then he ends with, and greed, which is idolatry. Let's pause a second. Put to death greed, which is idolatry. You know, Dan, kill that raccoon, kill all of those raccoons, kill them quickly, because when greed takes root in our lives, it's idolatry. In other words, my stuff is taking the place that only Jesus deserves in my life. You tracking with me? So kill it and kill it quickly and get rid of greed, all little pockets and slivers of greed, because that's idolatry. Similar to Matthew 6 and verse 24. You can turn there if you want. Matthew 6, 24 says, uh, Jesus is talking, he says, Nobody can serve two masters. You cannot serve me and my kingdom and at the same time worship wealth and money and possessions. Now track with me. You have to choose. You can either worship Jesus and I surrender and Lord, you're in complete control of my life. Take charge even of my stuff. Or you can worship chasing after your stuff and Jesus says, but you can't do them both. You're either doing one or the other. And here's what's amazing. Most American Christians, we think we can do both. Oh, Jesus, I love you, but I love my stuff too. And Jesus says, Matthew 6, 24, I'm sorry, it's impossible. You cannot worship both me and your stuff at the same time. You're going to have to choose. You're going to, have to, you're going to worship me or you're going to worship at the altar of money and possessions. Um, so the first step, make sure um, you just say to greed, you are not welcome in my life, in my house anymore. It's not acceptable to our Savior. Lord, it's not acceptable to me. Here's the hard part. Give me your eyes. In the world we live in, greed is applauded. Greed is taught. Greed is worshipped. And now we live in this world that's saying it's good. Get more. You deserve more. Eat, drink, be merry. And now the Lord is saying, excuse me, but that doesn't line up with my book. You can't worship greed and your stuff and me at the same time. 
we're going to have to say, Lord, I believe you. I believe your book. I believe what you're saying is true, and I need to ruthlessly root it out of my life, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I'm going to give you five quick thoughts about killing greed. Ready? If you're taking notes, here we go. Five thoughts about killing and ruthlessly rooting it out of our lives. First, greed's an internal sin, meaning when you look in the mirror, uh, most of us don't see, even if there's a whole bunch of greed that's accumulated in our lives, most of us don't see greed in the mirror. So you're going to have to say, Lord, uh, would you show me how greed is working in my life today? Be specific, Lord. Where is it that I'm behaving as though I'm not satisfied with the situation that you put me in right now? And, and Lord, I'm upset, and I want what my neighbor has, and I want what you have, and I want this job, and I want this house, and I want this possession for me. Lord, would you show me? And if you're really serious, you ready? Here's like the, uh, the college age challenge. If you really want to know, why don't you invite the people who know you best to tell you if there's pockets of greed they've seen? Now, you've got to be pretty bold here, okay? And you better be ready for them to speak truth to you. But I, I, I would just encourage you, if you really want to know, ask the people that you really, really know you best, is there areas in my life where you can tell I'm not satisfied and I want more and I want more and I want more? And if you uh, have a spouse and you do that too, be prayed up, okay? You be prayed up before you ask, and if your spouse asks you, you be prayed up before you respond because uh, you, you, uh, you can quickly say some things that someone might not be happy to hear, okay? Uh, you've been warned. Uh, second thing, how do you kill greed? Uh, you got need to start looking at the things that turn the greedy switch on in you. Look at the things that turn the greedy switch on in you. Um, there's these wonderful little glossy full color and there's maybe 200 pages of wonderfulness and uh, they're mostly the homes over at Bay Harbor and uh, here's what I realized it's kind of fun to look at you say oh man that's what 5 million will buy you oh look at that's 10 million ooh, ooh. you know and you look you know and then, and then the next day you're kind of looking it over again and, and after a bit you start looking around at your own house. I got a dump I live in. <laughs> I I'm not so happy anymore. You understand? And if you're a realtor here today, I apologize, but I'm I'm just telling you, if if you have that tendency towards not being satisfied, then you just you can't be picking up those glossy uh, those glossy books about all everybody else's fancy houses. Lord, you've blessed me. You've given me an amazing house. And Lord, help me be satisfied. Help me to be content. Um, maybe you're one of those people, you got, you got a, a boat, and the Lord gave you a 12-footer, and, and now you carry around the brochures, and you want the 15-footer, right, Henry? And then, and then once you get the 15-footer, and then you got the brochures, and, and now you got the itch, what do you want? You want the next size up. I'm just telling you, whatever it is that, that turns the greed switch on in you if, you, if you have a problem with buying too much stuff, you ready? You don't watch the Home Shopping Network. 
no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to block that one because I know I have a tendency. I'm going to buy more stuff that I don't need, and that's just I want more and I want more. Whatever it is, Lord, would you show me? Show me where the greed switch gets turned on in my life. Third, um, you need to get a hold of this idea because this is at the core of greed. Give me your eyes. There's no such thing as enough because that's what greed says. No such thing as enough. I'm not satisfied. I always want more, so there is no such thing as enough. Would you say it with me? There is no such thing as what? No, not enough. Now just let that kind of ring in your ears and you say, well, that's really foolish. (laughs) That's not logical. Of course there's enough. Of course what the Lord has given me is exactly what He wants me to have right now. But greed keeps screaming, I want more, I want more. That's not enough. There's no such thing. No, uh, that's in total disagreement with God's Word. And I'm not going to buy into that foolish thinking any longer. Fourth, uh, you want to kill greed? You need to ask the Lord to create in you a thankful, grateful heart. Lord, um, it's... It's pretty clear. I've been whining. I've been dissatisfied. Lord, why aren't you giving me better stuff? Uh, the opposite of that is, Lord, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. You, you've blessed me. I am a blessed person. I am thankful. Build in me a grateful heart. Turn with me if you have your Bible to Philippians 3 real fast, okay? Philippians 3. Some of you know these verses. Excuse me, Philippians 4. Sorry about that. Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. I suspect some of you are thinking, you know what? That verse 13, that's one of my favorites. Yep, it is. Uh, but let's see what it's talking about. Paul writes, I know what it is to be in need. Paul had times he didn't have enough food, didn't have a place to lay his head. And Paul says, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now that should be causing our ears to perk up. Paul says, I've got the secret to be content. Whether there's uh, a lot going on and there's plenty in my life or whether I'm living in want and I'm hungry, here's the secret. You ready? Here's the secret. Verse 13. I can do all things through Jesus who gives me strength. Now, now, I just want you to know that's one of the most misquoted and misapplied verses in all the New Testament. Okay? Paul is saying here, Jesus, you've taught me the secret of being content whatever situation. And here's the secret of contentment. Are you ready? Jesus, you're going to give me the strength to defeat greed and I can be content whatever the situation is. We rip verse 13 out of there. And, Lord, I can do all things through you, and you're going to help me uh, throw this touchdown pass. And, Jesus, I am going to make the, the shot with the buzzer going off. Now, he may or may not do that, but that has nothing to do with verse 13. Verse 13, in context, is teaching us the Lord gives us the strength to be content, whatever the situation, and be defeaters of greed in our lives. That's what verse 13 is talking about. Fifth and final way to kill greed. Learn to be rich 
towards God. We're going to have to learn, Lord, I need to be rich towards you. Luke 12, 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Okay? So that guy had it all wrong, the farmer building the extra barns. But instead, Jesus says, but you need to learn to be rich towards God. Um, Greed is being rich towards who? Come on, we've said it. Rich towards, point at me, towards me. Okay? So if I'm not going to be rich towards me, um, how am I going to be rich towards Jesus? So I need to replace greed with generosity towards Jesus and his kingdom and his church. Make sense? You tracking with me? Jesus, if I'm going to get victory over greed, I need to replace the greed with generosity towards you and your kingdom and being in right relationship with you. And oh, by the way, did you know what God's plan is to reach and change the world today? What is it? Anybody know? It's the church. So uh, that's a part of your kingdom. So I need to be rich towards you, Jesus, and being in right relationship towards your kingdom because you're the king here and towards your church. And Lord, I need to be rich towards those you put in my path. And as you make yourself clear, I need to be generous towards them. Just telling you, the opposite of greed is generosity. And Lord, I need you to build in me a generous heart. I, I need you, Lord, to start making me a generous person. And that's part, that's like the final step. Lord, help me to root out the greed and now replace it with generosity. I want to let you in on a little secret. You ready? As a whole, and I know because I've been one for 33 going on 34 years, as a whole, uh, some of the least generous people that I know are pastors, and I'll even add in missionaries. Did you know that? Are you thinking, oh, I can't believe you said that. So I'll, I'll give you another run at that, and you can, you can do that if you want. Uh, here's the secret. Did you know that some of the least generous people that I know of are pastors and missionaries? Go ahead. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Why is that? Okay, are you ready? Now, now here's the hard answer. Because quite often, the churches that they work for and serve um, aren't very generous with them. And they don't pay them enough to make ends meet. And therefore, uh, Denise and I experienced this. We, we weren't given a living wage, so therefore we're always working extra jobs. We're picking apples and we're doing home jobs here and extra. And we got two and three extra jobs along with the full-time job I did. Why? Well, whatever reason, there just wasn't enough money there or they had it and they didn't want, whatever. But therefore, I started thinking this way. Give me your eyes. Here, here's, here's the lie I was believing. Okay, Lord, we don't have enough to make ends meet, so I'm going to give you my time and my talent as my tithe. It's pretty good, right? Don't you think? I, that was pretty crafty. And, and I thought that way, and I'm thinking, okay, I, I don't have enough, so... Uh, I'm happy to report, just stop for a moment, that's never been true for the church at Walloon with, with myself or with the current folks. This church has been very fair and very generous. Can I just tell you, sadly, that's the exception and not the rule? Um, but anyway, I was in the greed mode 
and I had taught and bought the lie, well, I'm, I'm just going to give of my time and my talent, and that will be my tithe. So then we're here for a while, and I'm still in that kind of greedy, look out for me, uh, hold on tight, stingy mode. And we're in the old kitchen, excuse me, the old gymnasium 20 years ago, and now the place is getting full. And now we got two, and it's full and full. And then pretty soon we go to three. So I'm thinking we're going to have to start building pretty quick. And I know I've shared this before, but it seems appropriate. Give me your eyes. So uh, 20 years ago, it was 1995, there was um, this wonderful conference in Lansing. And uh, I went to the board and said, you know what? Here's the title. How to get your church to be generous and giving. And the board said, we like the sound of that title. And I said, and I like the sound because it's not for me. It's how I can help you be generous and giving. So drive down to Lansing. Uh, John Maxwell, now a teacher, preacher in Florida. But at the time, he was overseeing his Christian organization, helping pastors. And we were at South Church in Lansing. The place is packed to the rafters. Okay? John is get up. He's funny. He gives, tells jokes. Now he says, get out your syllabus. And uh, right on the cover there is how to help your church become generous and big givers. Okay? So we're, he's starting. He says, get your syllabus. Fill in the blanks. Okay, I'm ready, John. And the very first thing, Here's the first thing that's essential. If you're going to have a church that's generous and giving, that starts with pastors who are generous and giving. And there's about a thousand of us that really, literally, audibly, come on, John, really, really? I drove all the way down from, I wanted the secret and now you're, you're stomping all over my toes? Um, so you're telling me that if the church is going to be generous and giving, that's got to start with me? And for about the next hour, he stomped and just literally walked all over our toes. And I was ticked, and I think about a thousand of us were ticked. You know why? Because it was true. <laughs> we knew we knew we had bought the lie, and we, we weren't very good. I'm just telling you, pastors as a whole, I'm one of them. We don't do very good at being generous. We're pretty good at holding tight. It's mine. Um, so starting there, came home, talked with Denise. We talked a lot, and we realized it wasn't true. You, you folks were, were very fair and very generous, and we didn't have that excuse anymore. So here's the prayer. Lord, you're going to have to start rooting out these uh, pockets of greed in me. And I'll never forget, uh, we, uh, we didn't go out to eat very often, Lori, but I can remember lots of times we'd go out to eat and then I'd go to pay the bill and I would fire up this thought in my brain, if 10% is good enough for the Lord, it's good enough for the waitress. So... And then it's like the Lord brought several waitresses our way that we realized these were single moms. These were the least of these. And I'm, I'm taking out my greedy uh, 
my greedy nature on, on these who are the least of these? Really, Jeff? You're, you're really going to take it out on them? Slowly, and I'll pretend I've got it because I don't think it ever, you ever get it fully, but slowly, I've just had to say, Lord, root out the pockets of greed in me. Make it clear, and, and I'm not going to go easy on them. And Lord, by your grace, help me to become a generous follower of your son, Jesus. Here's what I promise you. You ready? He loves those prayers. <laughs> he will respond to those prayers in you. So how you doing? How you doing? If, if you were uh, just to be you know, rated on a scale 1 to 10, uh, how you doing on being a generous person? Any pockets of greed that you've been ignoring? You've been excusing? The Lord is ready to listen to our prayers. And He'll help. He'll point them out. He'll give us the courage to kill whatever needs killing. And then slowly, He'll start building in you a generous heart. I promise. How do I know that? Because He did it in me. Goofy me. And He'll do it in goofy you. Will you ask Him? Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. Lord, we just acknowledge the world we live in. Uh, the message is exactly the opposite of what we just talked about. So, Lord, we, we recognize that um, everything we hear being shouted at, at us uh, daily lifts up and exalts greed and accumulating more and more more. So Lord, right now in your church, we just want to acknowledge that your book is truth. And what we hear all around us, and we hear lifted up about eat, drink, and be merry is the lie. And your truth is what we need to line our lives up with. So, Lord, right now, we would ask, would you, would you point out any pockets of greed that have taken root in our lives? Make it clear. Make it obvious. And just as if a dozen raccoons have broken into our house and destroyed our house when we get home today, we take quick, decisive action. Lord, as you make clear pockets of greed, might we be just as quick to take decisive action to kill greed wherever you show us. Wherever you show us. And Lord, I ask that you would uh, help us to keep asking you, make us a generous people. We realize that uh, we don't live in a generous world. So when we're generous as you've commanded us to be, when we're rich towards you and your kingdom and your church and rich towards those that you put in our path, that shines real bright for your son Jesus. May folks see in us the generosity of your son Jesus. Thank you again for the opportunity to study your book together. Thank you that it's quick. 
and live and sharp and goes down deep. Move powerfully in our lives, we ask. In the amazing name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand?